Speed to God. Well, again, welcome. If uh, this is your first time here, so glad to have you this morning. My name is Gray, uh, the pastor here, and you're joining us on a Sunday that's the, the end of a journey. Uh, this is the 15th Psalm of the Psalms of Ascents that we've been going through together. Psalm 134 is the last song of ascent, so this will be the last time in our series this morning. Next week, we're going to begin in the book of Philippians, which I'm really excited about as well. But it's kind of sad to come to the end of this journey. Uh, For me, I love these psalms, these psalms that talk about the journey that Israel would make to Mount Zion three times a year to worship the Lord. And this is the psalm, the last psalm of arrival. If you remember, the Psalms go into a predictable pattern of crying out to the Lord and then trusting in the Lord and then arriving. And that three pattern goes throughout the 15 Psalms five times. And this is the last Psalm of arrival. And uh, so we'll be ending the journey today. And today, as we leave today, metaphorically, we're leaving with Jerusalem from coming to Mount Zion. uh, And then we will return again, as they did, to worship the Lord next week. Before we dive into Psalm 134, let's uh, go to the Lord and ask His help in prayer. Father, we are glad to arrive this morning, knowing that though our journey continues on this next week, You have already in Christ secured for us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Already, You have secured our home that You went to prepare a place for us. Already, You have destroyed the enemy. Already you have accomplished salvation. And yet, not yet. And we live in that tension this morning. As we arrive and yet don't arrive, we pray that you would be near to us. Show us yourself. Reveal wonderful things from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the the greatest criticisms that we can level at anything in our culture at this moment uh, is that something is not heartfelt, something is not genuine, something is not authentic. These are blasphemous words. If something is not true to yourself, if it's not true or truly authentic in every single way, then it becomes to us a really, really bad thing. And one of the things that we say is that uh, one of the things that we really want to avoid is going through the motions. Uh, That's one of just the worst things we can say about any particular endeavor. I am just going through the motions. What do I mean? I go to work, and I don't love it. I'm just kind of going through the motions. I, I arrive, I clock in, I clock out, and we're saying that in a negative sense. I'm just going through the motions. I go to church. 
and I don't really feel close to God. I, I do these external forms. Maybe I try to read the Bible or pray a little bit, and there's kind of a motion to that that I know I should do, but I'm just kind of going through the motions. I don't feel close to God. The romance in, our, in my marriage is fading. And we used to demonstrate love and feel all this love for each other, but now it feels like we're just going through the motions and, and trying to serve each other. And the, the authenticity and the heartfelt and the genuineness of our love seems to have faded somewhat. Now, there's something really correct about that criticism. Because the heart matters. God is concerned with the heart. And when, when Israel would walk away from him, even if they were going through the motions of their, of their worship, they were sacrificing and they, had, they went to the temple, uh, he would often condemn them in the Old Testament for having hearts that are far away from him. Though they might honor, them with, honor him with their lips, their hearts would be far away from them. So we cannot have performance without a heart. Something is missing And so that is true. But I want to say that the opposite problem can also occur. And I'm going to speak up a little bit in defense of going through the motions. Because the opposite problem is that we can be waiting for our hearts and our authenticity to arrive so long that we delay doing anything of substance. This is also a danger. Going through the motions, in other words, sometimes is the way that God uses to train our hearts to love Him and to care about the things that He cares about. Let me give you an example. Uh, If you know that doing the dishes for your spouse will demonstrate love to them, but you don't want to do it. Just be real. Is it better, here's the question, is it better to wait for the heart motivation to arrive? Let those dishes pile up, because you just know in your heart your spouse would not want you to do something inauthentic. <laughs> or is it better to do the dishes, go through those motions without the heart, and hope that motivation arrives or arises from that situation? I'll let you go ahead and ask your spouse uh, what the answer to that question is. It's the second one, obviously, because you might find that your motivation changes, and even if it doesn't, objectively, you have done something in service to them. Now, if your whole marriage is going through the motions, then that's a different thing. But sometimes going through the motions is of some spiritual value. Psalm 134 the final psalm of the Song of Ascents, is the the shortest psalm in this whole series. It's actually the second shortest chapter in all the Bible. I think Psalm 117 is a little shorter, but it's basically one of the shortest chapters in all the scriptures, and it can feel a little anticlimactic. It can feel like okay, we've been on this long journey. This is the psalm of arrival. This is the psalm when they arrive in Jerusalem. They're at the holy hill. They're worshiping God. And it's just, we get three verses. And these verses are not very emotional either. They're kind of like, lift up your hands, bless the Lord, and may the Lord bless you. And it's just, 
it, there can be a feeling of, is this a little anticlimactic? What I think this psalm teaches us, us is that these motions, going through these motions of worship, lead to blessing. The theme of the song, psalm is blessing, and it's in every single verse, verse 1, 2, and 3, the idea of blessing. Here's what I want us to see. Going through the predictable motions of spiritual endeavor leads to a life of blessing. The emotions can't be there alone. It can't be without the heart. God is always concerned with the heart, but He's also concerned with the motions, with the obedience. And I think that in our culture, in our moment, we could use a dose of going through the motions. We could use a little bit of pantomiming or, or, or entering into rhythms and patterns so that our heart can be trained to love God. What are these motions that we're talking about? Three of them, one for each verse. The first one is this, the motion of showing up. Showing up. Look at verse one with me. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Now, what this psalm probably originally was talking about was the priests that would stand in the house of the Lord. Now, remember, these psalms were written at various times. Some of these psalms were written by Solomon. Some were written by David. Some were written by probably Hezekiah many hundreds of years later. And so uh, these psalms at some point were put together in this format for us in these 15 psalms. And so I think this psalm originally was about the priests, about the ones who would stand at by night in the house of the Lord. This is the, the priest who had shift work. In other words, there was somebody praying in the house of the Lord at all times. But now the psalm has been moved by God's Holy Spirit to the end of this collection, and it's a psalm of arrival, and it's been talking about Israel going on this journey. And now I think this, a different meaning is suggested. Here's the scene that is suggested to us. Arrival. Showing up in the house of of the Lord. We can picture the sun is set. They've been on this long journey. Maybe it's taken them days. Maybe it's taken them weeks. But they've arrived in Jerusalem. They've gone up to the mountain. And now it is nighttime. And they approach the Lord in prayer. They bless Him. This is evening prayers, what the church would later call vespers, this sense of special nighttime presence of God. They arrive, and it says, come, bless the Lord. The word there, come, is just really the word for behold or lo in the old King James. It means give attention to this. There's an invitation, there's an arrival, there's the end of a journey. This took intentionality. It wasn't like all these Israelites were just, uh, they were wondering, twiddling their thumbs, wondering what to do with their time. They had to take time out of their schedule, out of their harvest schedule to come and worship the Lord. And now they've arrived. They show up in His presence. They're obedient to God's command. And this is the source of, of their blessing. This routine is important. I have a routine I'd like to tell you guys about. The staff is really tired of hearing about this because I tell it to them, basically make a reference to it every single Monday. 
but it has become like clockwork for me. I have salad and go for breakfast and lunch. Now hear me out. This routine is very important to me. Uh, and I've figured out the system that works really well for me on Mondays. Uh, here's what you do. You guys know what salad and go is, right? You've seen those around everywhere. You can get your breakfast and your lunch at the same time. So you start out on Monday morning. I'm just suggesting my routine to you. You go through salad and go drive through and you order a burrito for breakfast and you order a salad for lunch all at the same time. And this routine has more than one benefit. Uh, number one, Monday is a day of meetings for me, and so it's nice to, to get my day started without having to think about food. I know what I'm doing. I'm driving through at 6.30 in the morning or so, through salad and go, I've got breakfast and lunch covered. There's the benefit of autopilot. It is relatively healthy, all right? That's another benefit. I know that if I order a certain burrito and salad combination, that by the time dinner rolls around, I'll have only consumed 1,000 calories for the day. And that is of some value. It's relatively inexpensive for eating out twice. It's about $10 or $12 if you order cold brew, which, let's be honest, I do pretty much every week. $6 a meal, and there, it's just laid out for me. And there are times that I get sick of it. There are times that I crave originality, and of course, that's okay, but what my point is, there's a value, even if it's not the truest expression of my Monday, that Monday, to know what I'm doing, to have the routine, to show up and do it. It's a set of motions, and in the long run, it has benefits beyond even the day. There is a benefit in having a routine. There is a benefit in showing up, even when you don't feel like it. Woody Allen the famous uh, movie maker and uh, who we don't agree with a lot of the things he said, he said something very correct about this. He said, he's famous for saying this, 80% of success is showing up. That's true. He's right. That's true in spiritual endeavors. How is it that we are good parents? How do you become a good parent? Well, 80% of it, I would say, is showing up. It's being there. It's eating dinner together. It's being at the events. It's having open arms when they're distressed. It's taking your kids to church. It's the simple, sometimes very hard things, but the simple routines where a life of care is, is given to them. It's showing up. It's the same with a life with God. How do we have this, this in, a spiritual life, a spiritual endeavor with God? A lot of it is showing up. It's showing intentionality. It's being obedient to his basic commands. James 4 says to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so you build your week around the Sabbath. You have a day of rest and worship. You have a spiritual life where you give intentional time to the Lord. It doesn't have to be some crazy, beautiful system. It can be as simple as showing up in some basic ways. When I've taught on spiritual disciplines in the past, I've often given this advice. I think this is one of the most important things that you could do if you want to have an intentional life with God. It is to commit to the time, not to the system. Commit to the time, not to the system. In other words, the commitment is to showing up at a certain time, 
What do I mean by system? We have so many system questions, don't we? Should I pray most of the time, or should I read the Bible? Should I read a chapter, or should I read three chapters? Should I read the Bible in a year? Uh, what other plan could I follow? Should I take notes? Should I highlight the Bible? Um, you know, we have all kinds of system questions. Nothing wrong with system questions, but we all know that systems can distract us from the main thing, which is the basics of showing up. Let's, let's demonstrate some showing up before we refine the system. Can we commit to the time first? When we've done that for a while, then we can start thinking about the system. Most of our life with God is about showing up, paying attention, going and standing in His presence in the house of the Lord, like these Israelites did. It would be much better, in other words, to meet with God every morning and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to read your word. And to do that for a long time, other than to basically ignore the spiritual life entirely, or to wait for a heart that's completely motivated to be in His presence. There is a benefit to showing up. The Israelites come from all over the place to obey the Lord. They stand in the house of the Lord by night to worship Him. What do they do? They bless the Lord. The second motion is they bless the Lord. Look at verse 2. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Basic question. What does it mean to bless the Lord? What does it mean to bless the Lord? Is that the same thing as praising Him? That's actually a different word. The word to praise the Lord is different. To bless the Lord has to do with a mind and body service. A mind and body offering a service to Him. The mind and the body are both in view here. It has to do with the mind or the, what the Bible calls the soul or the internal life with God. It involves thinking on Him, dwelling on Him, having knowledge of who He is. <coughs> Think about Psalm 103, which says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. There's that word twice. Forget not all of his benefits. Often the second part of a psalm explains the first part. To bless the Lord means to forget none of his benefits. It's dwelling on who God is. But it also has to do with the body. Not just the mind. Even the word itself, to bless, barak, is the word. Uh, the noun form, barek, means knee. It's about your physical knee. In other words, to give the knee or to bow the knee is to bless. And so look at the verse. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Or we could say even lift up your hands and bow your knee. To the Lord. That's why it's a picture of the mind and the body, but also in service to Him. It involves a posture of servanthood. They're called there the servants in verse 1, who stand by the servants of the Lord who stand by night. In other words, the motions of our worship matter to God. There are reasons for what we do in our worship service here. 
We go through the motions, in other words. The format of a worship service involves the mind. It involves the heart. It involves the body. We stand, we sit, we raise our hands to bless God and to receive from Him His benediction. We come to the table of the Lord. We walk to it. We would kneel if we didn't have concrete floors. So maybe, you know, Able Project uh, 4, we can raise some money for some kneelers in here. I'm all for it. We can kneel before the Lord our Maker. These things matter. The, the motions of worship matter to God because they demonstrate with our body what is also in our hearts. And sometimes the feeling can catch up with that. Here's what Eugene Peterson says. You may not be able to command your heart. That's true. But you can command your arms. Act your gratitude. Pantomime your thanks. You will become that which you do. This has to be part of the picture. It's not the full picture. Of course, we can pantomime our thanks and never have a heart of thanks. That's not what we're saying. That it can, the gospel can never just come to our bodies. It can never just come externally. It has to grip us. But there are times and there are seasons when we need to act out our gratitude and see how God uses those me as a means to our heart. Our worship service involves going through the motions. One time somebody basically said that to me. I've gotten it several of this times this before. You know, we, we repeat uh, prayers sometimes, and we, we say things very often, and we have communion every week, and, and then I remember somebody saying, isn't that just going through the motions? And I said, yes, <laughs> it is. It's going through the motions. Now, is that everything? No, but it is something. It's good to go through the motions. Dead orthodoxy is a problem too. And I hope that we are never stale. I hope that the Spirit of God brings fresh wind and fire every single week. We know that the Spirit of God is active here. We know that one of the things that Jesus criticized was Pharisaism when he said they're whitewashed tombs, that they look good on the outside, but there's death on the inside, that is always a real danger. That we would become people who just pray, stand, sit, leave in our cars, and have nothing to do with God with the rest of our lives. That is always a possibility. Repetition can turn to death, but so can the search for novelty. So can the pursuit of all things new and only new experiences can lead us also to another kind of idolatry. <clears throat> and there is a value in showing up, blessing the Lord, regardless of how we're feeling that morning, and then being prayerful that God brings the heart, the warmth, the fire to our bones. God loves to answer that prayer, but he also called Israel to come and worship the Lord on Mount Zion every single year, multiple times a year. The final motion in verse 3 is to receive. Look at verse 3 with me. May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. The final motion is to open up our hands 
to receive the blessing from the Lord. And this makes sense because in the end, everything that we have is a gift from Him. Everything that we have is received. We're not defined by our ability to bless the Lord, but by what we have received from the Lord. Now, we've just said that blessing God involves the mind and heart in service. That's what blessing means. Bless the Lord, he says. Why then, in verse 3, does it say that the Lord will bless us? Is it, the same, is it a different definition when the Lord is doing it versus when we're doing it? When we give our attention and our mind and our body in service, does God do this? Yes. He gives His attention to us. He gives His body to us. In the same way that internally, when we say, bless the Lord, forget not any of His benefits, when we reflect on who God is, in the same way He discerns our frame. We discern who God is and offer praise to Him that He deserves. He also discerns us and offers grace that we don't deserve. Does God kneel? Does He get His body involved? Yes, He stoops to be with us in His body, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the way that God ultimately blesses us, is in His beloved. There's a song that we sing sometimes here uh, that says this language, basically, we praise the God who bends to bless us with His unrelenting love. He bends to bless us. He, he gets His body involved. He stoops to the earth. And this is a big condescension. This is a huge humiliation. Look at verse 3. He who made heaven and earth is the one who bends to bless us. All of these worshipers who have come to Zion, they finish their journey, they raise their hands, they bless the Lord, but then they go out with His blessing. The one who made heaven and earth, He may be on Mount Zion, He blesses us from Mount Zion, but the whole heavens and earth are His sanctuary. There is nowhere that isn't His. And so we see these three verses are, in a sense, the shortest worship service ever. <laughs> they are, the, everything that happens in a worship service, verse 1 is a call to worship, come and bless the Lord. Verse 2 is the worship, we bless the Lord. Verse 3 is the benediction. We hold out our hands and say, may the Lord bless us. And that's really where our life is. Every spiritual endeavor God, involves going through the motions. So we can ask ourselves as we close today, what, what has God called me to do to build a life of worship? What are the motions? What does that look like? How might my life, my every day, my week, my hours even be Christian? It's going to involve routine. It's going to involve motions. Now, it can't just involve that. The heart must be gripped by God to, to know this morning, to hear again that God has bent to give us His grace. Jesus Christ came in the flesh, 
laid down his life for us, that we could have life in his name that must grip us, must grab us by the heart. But it's also going to involve getting up in the morning and parenting and, and deciding on lunch and, and working hard and finishing the day. And these are things that are not outside of a life with God. It's going to involve faithfulness. How might God be inviting us to be more faithful in the motions of everyday life? Because faithfulness always does go down to that level. It always does go down to the everyday. Let's pray.